Okay, this is from John chapter 11. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you were going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying, after saying these things um, to him, oops. After saying these things to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his disciples. Sorry, y'all. Howard, how do you read this? <laughs> okay, if anyone, let's try this again. If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciple said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death. But they thought that he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out and she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here, and he is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus, who had not yet come into the village, but was still in a place where Martha had met him, when the Jews who were with her went into the house consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And so they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you. Thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on, on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was a high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this on his own accord, but being a high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of the world who are scattered abroad. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. This is God's word. Amen. Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And um, just looking out, it looks like a lot of people went to go see their mama this morning. That's a good thing. Um, My mom is no longer alive. Um, Having died a believer, um, she is just where she wants to be and always wanted to be with her Lord. I uh, just encourage you, if your mom's alive, to love on your mom today to enjoy her while she's still here. Um, If things aren't right, to pray to seek to make things right. Um, Just an encouragement to you today um, on this Mother's Day. As we continue in our sermon series in the book of John, we'll look at what I describe as a pinnacle of Jesus' earthly ministry that was directly done to another human being. 
the resurrection of Lazarus from the grave. And in raising Lazarus from the grave, Jesus began to narrow and speed up the current of his own coming death and resurrection. First by healing a crippled man on the Sabbath and then doing it again to a blind man on the Sabbath and and now turning around and raising someone from the dead. Jesus and his ministry came to what I would describe as a puissant head with the Pharisees and religious leaders. Things were about to pop. And by claiming to be God's son and thus God himself and then backing it with signs and profound statements, it was Jesus who who was pushing on things and squeezing on the belief system of those around him. And and what was one of his final campaign stumps as as the one who would die for the salvation of the world, Jesus raises Lazarus with this message in lights. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And saying this and doing what he did, Jesus was calling his people to come out, to come in, and to come on. To come out because he raises people from sin to new life. To come in because he creates union between himself and his people. And finally to come on because he calls his people to walk in new life in this life with him. The Bible tells us that Jesus waited a couple of days after hearing that Lazarus was was deadly sick to go to him. That's the kind of sick that, that Mary and Martha couldn't fit with, fix with some tussin or, or some chicken noodle soup or, or tucking of the covers real well. No, no, he had one of those, the insurance guys are starting to come around sicknesses. And so Mary and Martha sent not for Luke the doctor, but for Jesus the miracle worker. And the Bible says this in verse 1. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Mary and her sister and and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. And after this, he said to the the disciples, let us go to Judea again. Did you get this? For the man he loved and sisters he deeply cared for too. Jesus waited two days longer to get there. No, he didn't get his luggage lost. He was waiting for the paycheck to come in so he could afford gas. No, he just waited. And so by the time he got there, Lazarus was not just dead. He was good and dead. Back then, the Jews believed that on the third day, the soul left the body, and the body could not get the soul back anyway because it would already begin to stink and be maggot-eated maggoted and and better for the soul to stay away if it meant coming out looking and smelling bad. But Jesus waited to make a point. In fact, that's exactly what he said, right? For his glory, to showboat, to, to show something about what God the Father was doing for people through him. In fact, verse 14 says this. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. 
And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Jesus says this, and and then it happens, just like Jesus knew, and no one else had a clue it would. Look with me at verse 39. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you would always hear me, that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen straps and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. What is Jesus trying to give glory and credence to by by doing this the way he did, waiting as long as he did, going to the tomb the way he did? When he raised Lazarus from the grave, Jesus was declaring and displaying his powerful ministry to reverse the trajectory and results of the fall and sin. Stuff like causing separation of the soul from body, decay and sickness, and most importantly, separation from our God. By raising Lazarus, Jesus is declaring that he is raising and saving those who are dead in their sins. You know what dead means? Like Lazarus on the fourth day? Not coming back. Locked away. Don't need to come back. Shouldn't come back. No chance of life ever again. On the other side, cross over. No life. And thus the Bible describes those of us who live this life life without Jesus as walking dead. That to God, our lives are a disease and decaying, stinking mess of mumbling, bumbling, faintly recognizable as human, having the form of humans but living below the lifeline of his righteousness and holiness for our humanity. And in his holiness, God has put a a stone over us, if you will, to, to separate us from his holiness and righteousness and judgment. We can't get to redemption. We can't move. We can't even see to or think to move toward God in our sin state. The Bible is teaching us that that while we were dead in and deadened by our sins, God sent Jesus so that by his Holy Spirit, through the sharing and preaching of the gospel, that Jesus would command us to come out, to to come out from Adam's curse, come out from from being separated from real life, come out from your self-righteous tomb of darkness, come out and over from the other side as enemies of God, come out of the kingdom and darkness into the one of light and life. Jesus' very voice called new life into Lazarus and called Lazarus to new life. We cannot or could not and did not, did not come out of sin and into new life of God without the resurrection power and voice of Jesus calling us to come out. This is why salvation is a gift of God. It cannot be accomplished or answered by dead people. 
Jesus had to choose to call you to new life. He called Lazarus by name, the Bible says. In the last chapter, Jesus told us that he knew his own by name. Jesus calls out in a world of people and calls to those whom he has sent, whom he was sent to get to save by name, like like a personal command. And not a suggestion. Jesus commands and demands our souls to liberty and freedom from sin's death hold on you and me. This room, this meeting hall, this bar, this theater is filled with Lazaruses today. And though no We did not rise physically like Lazarus. Your calling, though, from from the sin-dead life was just as miraculous and amazing as what happened that day. You truly were walking dead, and Jesus gave you life and light that you could not and would not get or see for yourself. And for those who are not believers today and are seeking for answers and hope and peace and love today, stop going through what I would describe as zombie attic motions. Your life is simply a mess and it's weird and scary to be walking around dead, dazed by this world, trying to make sense of things on your own, trying to be good. Even when you and I try to pretty it up with good deeds, it's like putting lipstick on a zombie. Life without Jesus is psycho. Like Norman Bates preserved mom, right? You and I need a relationship with a living and loving Heavenly Father. Stop living in the horror of the human fallen condition. Jesus alone says and makes us come out of sin and makes the dead alive to God. When Jesus calls us to come out of the dead of sin... We're coming into a union with Jesus, a union of him with us and us with him. Understand, Lazarus was not the only one in the dark here or caught up in and controlled by death and the the faith-taking power of sin. When Jesus decides to go to Bethany, this is what happens. Look with me at verse 8, if you can read it. It's written that small to encourage you to start bringing your Bibles. It'll be smaller next week. It's church discipline. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there? That's close to Jerusalem, Bethany, where the high priest Caiaphas is. You don't go in his area. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will, he will recover. Now Jesus has spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let's go to him. So Thomas called the twin said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. And then look at verse 17. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Took a long time to get around those days. Didn't have taxi cabs, had to walk. 
Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day she's thinking about when everyone gets up from the grave. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection of life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Now, Jesus' desire and calling to them is to believe in him as more than a great teacher or a Messiah king or some super, super prophet to lead God's people, but to believe in him as a son of God who came to take away the sin of the world. Now, in verse 25, when he says, believe in me, in me is into me. Believe into me. To be united to him in your faith by, be, by his being united to your humanity. Look at verse 3 with me. So the sister sent him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. And then if we look forward in verse 33, it says this. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. It is easy to miss and misunderstand what God wants to reveal about himself in this resurrection narrative. That Jesus joins, he becomes acquainted with, literally allows himself to fall in love with, to go to a funeral with, and be emotionally moved towards and, and drawn in by their humanity as one who became and joined in with humanity to save them from their unbelief. Sometimes, if I've done a few funerals in my life, and Sometimes I just show up at the funeral home, and when I see the hearse, sometimes I start to feel emotional. I see other people crying. I'm not even related, and it gets me. I'm not a crier either, but it gets me. You know, you just connect sometimes. The Bible says Jesus wept. That he loved, that, that he was moved and greatly troubled in spirit. The spirit is his human soul, and troubled there means angry. That Jesus hated and was hurt by the result of sin in a fallen world like us in our moments of despair and conflict. Jesus allowed the, the, the perturbations, as in perturbed Asians, of fallen sin to emotionally affect him, and he took it on. He didn't harden up towards you or all your issues. But in perfect empathy for those he knew, knows, and loves, he experiences what you do and have. It is here that Jesus has union and takes on union with those he loves, unify himself with, with our hurt and our troubles and our pains. Truly, like our song says, there is not a friend like Jesus. Jesus knows all about our struggle. 
Erin, our bookkeeper, she's here today. Admin person got in a wreck. She sent us a text. I got hit rear-ended this week. Someone rear-ended her on the way from work, and I must confess, I said a bad word, y'all. Hope I don't get in trouble. It's not good to say bad words. You should say, Lord, help, but not a bad word. But I know a lot of y'all do, too. Doesn't make me better, but I said a bad word. I was so hurt and angry at the same time, in part because she was working for us, but more so because as a staff person and friend, she's my sister. I just hated it for her, and her back was hurting. I'm not going to say God cusses, but if he did, he would cry and cuss over us in our lives with righteous anger and love. Hear this. Jesus is angry and pained by the abuse you suffered and the abuse you dished out. He is angered by the injustice, prejudice, and apathy you experienced in sin and that you participated in. Jesus sees all the things no one else sees, understands and knows about you and your pain, but he also sees all the evil done by you and me in the dark and in our minds. Jesus cried when you cried and didn't cry when you shouldn't have and did when you should have. He joins perfectly in perfectly sounding our sin commitments and sufferings before God. He knows just how sinful you are. And God has made him to feel his displeasure and suffer that without actually sinning himself. But that's only half of it. Because look at verse 4. When Jesus heard it, he said, The illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so the Son of God may be glorified through it. And then look at verse I'm not going to read that one again. Look at verse 49. Verse 51. He did not say this when he prophesied, this Caiaphas, the high priest, of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. Do you understand what glory Jesus was talking about? It was not the resurrection of Lazarus, but what the resurrection of Lazarus pointed to, the death of Jesus. That in order for Lazarus and Mary and Martha to experience life from sin and death and joy instead of sorrow, it would mean that he would have to join himself, tie their sins and suffering on himself and die. On the cross, Jesus, in union with those he loved, was taking away and suffering the sin penalty and, and suffering deserved and on them. Lazarus lived because Jesus died and would die for him. Believers have eternal life. Their lives are unified to the death that Jesus Jesus suffered for them. Which means he joined in our death. So we could come into and be joined to his life. When he asked Martha to believe in or into him or be united to him in belief in verse 25, it meant in large part that he was going to bless his people with the benefits of his life. I went to my 20th high school reunion a few years ago. 
graduated school early, okay? And Kelly and I were driving an old bobble station wagon back then. Thing was kind of raggedy at that point. It was already 10 years old when we got it. But that thing could go. Y'all ever seen that commercial on YouTube with the Volvo station wagon where they take the oil out and you, they tried to kill the engine, it just wouldn't die? I mean, we tried to kill that car, it wouldn't die. But everything else fell off on that thing. Someone gave it to us, so we were blessed. We were about to leave for the reunion. My dad, who at the time, I don't know what he was going through, had a nice Porsche and a BMW, and he was like, do you want to take one of my cars? I guess he didn't want his son looking unsuccessful going to the thing. I thought that the Porsche convertible was overkill, so we took the big BMW and I drove up, hoping someone would see me, driving slowly, just hoping, you know, oh, there's Howard looking all successful, you know, accepting me as if I shared in my father's rightness, success, and security, relishing in my life what he had actually earned. Jesus, when he calls his people out of death and sin, calls them into himself to live this life in Christ, unified with his benefits, so that when God looks at his people who have believed in him, he accepts them as dressed and traveling in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Like Lazarus at the end of the story, Jesus calls us out of sin to take off our grave clothes in a great exchange where he takes our death clothes on himself encased in the results of our sin, and we in turn will put on his robe of righteousness. Lazarus came out of the tomb. Jesus eventually will go into the tomb so that Lazarus coming out would make sense. Jesus is calling his people and those who would be his children to stop walking around and living and thinking and acting in grave clothes, but to come into his robe, to start to walk in his truth, in his liberty, in your new identity as one forgiven and loved and united to God, to no longer judge yourself or or let the world judge you with condemnation and, and commendation that the evil world has for you, but according to what the resurrection life of Jesus calls and recreates in you. That we should live as as those no longer dressed for graveyards and dark places. Like Jesus tells his disciples, you are free and called and and commanded to, to walk in the light, to walk for and because of the Lord and no longer walking sinfully or, or shamefully of, of what you used to be or what your new struggles are. You can come straight away before the Father and others and seek and strive towards holiness and wholeness and, and worship and repentance and forgiveness. So stop letting sin and unredeemed-minded people tell you what to do and define you. You don't have to say yes. You can walk out with a new life in Christ. Sometimes when you dress better, you just act better, right? Let those around you help you. 
right? Jesus commanded those with Lazarus to unwrap you, right? To, to help unencumber you from the strictness of self-righteousness or the shackles of saying you're free but acting evil and sinful. Help each other with prayer and confrontation and loving rebuke and forgiveness and restoration. Help each other live in Jesus in the righteousness that Christ has put them in and in calling them to walk and help each other put your pains and sin and issues on Christ. You know what Christ has called us to? To put the mirror of God's word and grace and encouragement in front of each other. Help each other to see how you are truly dressed in Christ. Who and how are you helping unwrap and redress in Christ right now in your life? Christ has called you out of the tomb. How are you being unwrapped? And right now in your life, with believers around you who have walked out of the tomb in obedience to Jesus' commanding voice, who are you helping to unwrap and confirm? That has another side to it, though, that I will not rob you of. Because those Jesus calls to come into his life, he calls to the new life of his death. When Jesus said, let's go, and they said, Lord, everybody wants to kill you. He says, we're walking in the light, not in the darkness, because I'm doing God's will. Thomas says this in verse 16. So Thomas called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. That's Lazarus. Thomas did not quite get it, but a little bit. When Jesus talks about walking in the light, he was talking about walking in an obedience of one who belongs to and glorifying God, but a light that would very well lead to his death, that the new life Jesus is calling us to is calling us to come on and be willing and wanting to die to ourselves in this world. Like the disciples were suggesting that Jesus do, sometimes we would rather walk in darkness under the cover of night, hiding our faith, hiding and cowering for what it means to live for Christ, because it may mean suffering and hardship and rejection and discomfort and not being able to do all the things that bring us pleasure or make us feel good and letting go of sinful or destructive ways that pacify our fears and make us feel successful. But walking in the holiness of God as one who is united in Christ, living in his righteousness while having him live in us means that we will have the privilege to die with him and for his glory as well. And I'm not just talking about martyrdom, even though that's a possibility. I'm talking about getting rid of shameful, comfortable relationships and behaviors for his glory. To as we are united to a Lord who died for our sins on the cross, that we too would crucify and put to death our desires and deeds of the flesh and sin that are opposed to his glory. The Bible tells us that, that when Lazarus was walking around with Jesus, that the Pharisees sought not only to kill Jesus, but Lazarus too. Because he was a testimony of God's goodness and favor. He was walking with Jesus. And so they said, hey, look, if we can get rid of Lazarus, the testimony and glory of Jesus will die. And maybe Jesus with them. We'll get rid of it. Jesus is calling his people come on, to 
people like Lazarus walk in the world as one who's been called by Jesus, yet hated in and by a world that despises what being Jesus' means. The devil, the world, the flesh, the darkness wants to destroy and question and take away you and your belief in Jesus. Look, y'all, there is an active spiritual world of spiritually influenced, a spiritually influenced world of people who hate Jesus. Who hate what you look like walking in him because of what it says about them, but more so what it says about the God they refuse to bow to. And the evil of this world will want to put a caption. Get this, they will want to put a caption under every questionable circumstance in your life to discourage you and your faith. So as you go through little scenes, issues in your life, the world says, see, what's the caption say? God's forsaken you. When you go through hardship, the caption the world wants to put is, see, you weren't good enough. So sickness will come. There's a challenge to your faith. A hard marriage will come, abuse will come, failed relations will come, broken marriages will come, straight up ridicule for what and how you believe and live will come, marketing and advertising that makes you feel stupid for living as a believer in chastity and trust and not greedy money and fame grabbing will come, pretty and beautiful people in homes and stuff that will try to make you your new Jesus outfit look bad and less than will, less than will come. And yes, as with Lazarus, once again in his case, physical death will come. And the world will try to caption it as God leaving you or see Christianity as weak or only partly true. But good news, if you are in Christ and Christ is in you, we will survive the darkness. Remember borrowing my dad's fancy car for that high school reunion? I might have told y'all this story, but every time I hear it, I have to laugh. A couple weeks ago, hung up with my brother. Boy, we were rolling. Couldn't even control myself. If I was writing a sermon, I would laugh for like two minutes. That's a long time. If I said five minutes, it'd be a lie, but two minutes. When my brother Terrence borrowed my dad's car, but it didn't turn out for him the same way it turned out for me. My dad was, back then, my dad was a band director and pretty strict disciplinarian. He had a paddle. Back then, you could paddle kids. And, and of a school in the city of Charleston, and he warned my brother that some of the rough kids down there in the city, we lived in the suburbs, did not like him. So be careful where you went driving my car. And I think my dad was more concerned about his car getting vandalized. But my brother went to a club close to where my dad taught one night to see his girlfriend, who's now his wife, sing with, you know, sing on stage. And he went with four or five of his friends. And some young people recognized the car and my brother. Stuff started to break out into a potential fight. And, and excuse the way we describe folk. This was black people telling the story. But my brother and his friends had to run out of that club into an alley, out the back door, because it was like a bunch of them. And he said he looked back down the alley, 
into the darkness as he was running towards that car. And he said that the alley was black with a horde of angry brothers. He said he couldn't even see the walls. He just saw this black horde of people coming toward him in the darkness. And all they could do was run to that car where he had to spray the carburetor first to get it started. All they could do was run to that car which identified them as a target, but it was the only way to be in the light and not be overtaken by the darkness. We sometimes sin and go places with people and do things that hate your Father God. And the world wants to pick a fight of faith with you. And in those moments, what caused the fight, ironically, will be your only way onward. In this world, your identity in Jesus, your walking for and with him, yes, will make you a mark and maybe a martyr. But being in him will be the only way through and out of this dark and deadly world. You know, there are two ends. When Jesus, when Jesus talks about Lazarus dying and This kind of sickness won't lead to death, but will actually give him glory. There are two kind of ends I want to talk about. In the traffic world, you have a dead end and you have a stoplight. Jesus is saying our death on earth is not a dead end that will lead us to condemnation, but simply a stop sign or red light that will be only a necessary stop on the way to final glory. Oh, the kid's back. I'm preaching long. Okay, let me finish. Martha referred to it that if you're in Christ, if you belong to him, as Jesus calls you out and into him, right, you are on a one-way path through life as one coming on. Coming past death, past struggle, past sickness, past sorrow, to new life beyond the grave, to be unified with him in spirit and in body once and for all. This is the hope of the believer called to come out of the sin and come to you with Jesus, that just like he rose and then went up into the sky, that those united with him will do the same, that we are not only walking in the light of Jesus, but walking towards the light, past death, to a resurrection where we will say goodbye down here and light the grave clothes that Lazarus had on. One day when Jesus returns and calls those of his, the Bible tells us that our bodies will get up out of the grave. And when we see him, we will shed this skin. We will shed mortality and take on immortality. We will take off the corruptible and take on what is incorruptible. We will say goodbye to a world of walking in the light, to a world where there is no sun and shadows, because God is the light. Heaven is our home, and Jesus is our resurrection and life in and to that home. John Wells was this week talking about those shows where you can't do anything to the brother who's not afraid to die. You can shoot me. I'm not afraid to die. Gosh, gotta, it's hard to get rid of those kind of people. To those of you called out in and by Jesus, you can live in the joy, worship, and confidence that this world can't do anything to you that won't ultimately take you to where Jesus' calling has already called us to come out 
come in and come on to be. He is the resurrection and the life. So come on, come in, come out.